From takedowns to chokeholds, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a martial art practice that comprises over a thousand technique moves to push one's opponent into a state of submission. In Rolling, A Lady's Guide to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, author Melanie Farmer captures readers as she explains this physical art form and braids it with the evolution of her relationship with her mother and a hilarious introspection of her life. The newest release from Burrow Press explores the dichotomy of gender as it relates to a male-dominated space. We sit down with Melanie to talk about her chapbook, the choice of creating a non-fiction collection in the second person, and how this collection of essays found its way into the hands of Colson Whitehead. Stay with us for another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Welcome back to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And we are so delighted to have this wonderful author that is making their debut into the literary world and to our hearts. <laughs> we have none other than Melanie Farmer. Melanie is a Central Florida writer and educator who holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of Central Florida. She is the winner of a 2019 Intro Journals Award in creative nonfiction from the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. And she is the first winner of the Hurston Wright Foundation's Crossover Award in Literary nonfiction. Her chapbook, Rolling, A Lady's Guide to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, is published by Borough Press, and more of her work can be found in the Tampa Review and Split Lip Magazine. Her book, Rolling, is also our pick for the month of August. Welcome to the show, Melanie. How are you doing? I am great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'm going to pass it off to Denny. And yeah, uh, we just, you know, have a couple of get to know questions for the listeners at home. Um, since this is a book about jujitsu, what food would you say is like jujitsu? Very random. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's not the question I thought we'd start with. What food? Hmm. That you would liken to like practicing jujitsu. I don't know, like, I mean, like a cinnamon roll, cinnamon roll is very delicious, but like complicated, hard to make, lots of layers. Yes. Cinnamon roll. And it's a roll. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. And that too. <laughs> what is the most favorite thing that you have baked? My, my favorite thing that I've baked. Hmm. I really like making apple galettes. And I really like, like all apple based foods, like olive oil cake with apples, really delicious. That sounds so fancy. <laughs> um, what is the most <laughs> unexpected thing that you have done as of late? I've had a very like laid back summer. I didn't do anything. And I just like was trying to be okay with that. And that for me was weirdly a, um, and an exception to the rule of like not overpacking my summer with like things to do. So like, it's like in doing nothing, that was my, I didn't expect to do nothing with like a couple of weeks off. <laughs> uh, that's, that's right up anyone's alley who works at school and that summer vacay comes up. <laughs> you definitely want to utilize that break, right? That's a good way to do it. Um. So what do you do for fun? Well, jujitsu, obviously. Um, <laughs> What do I do for fun? I bake. You asked me about baking. I bake a lot and I also cook other non-sweet foods. Um, I don't know, just like book stuff and hanging out with people and uh, exploring Orlando and, you know, that's the vibe. All right. Well, I think 
that concludes our getting to know you uh, <laughs> section. Um, but what we wanted you to do um, is to read an excerpt from your your book uh, so that everybody can get a little a little taste of what it is that you have in this this wonderful little package here. All right. Um, so the book is in segments or little sections. Um, I'm going to read from a section called companionship. But there are several other sections that precede this one. Um, so here are your instructions. All right. Companionship. Well, you do not go to the gym to meet men. There will be men there. Simply because they are your teammates, they will take on a too close familiarity to you, like a gaggle of older or younger brothers that you've never had. They will not interest you as dating prospects at all. Your mother may experience a heightened sense of concern and urgency when it comes to, when it becomes clear that your interest in jujitsu is not a passing phase. She may fear that the sport has the ability to permanently erode your femininity, thus decreasing your desirability in the dating sphere. Her desire to prevent permanent damage to your, may result in increased interference in this area of your life. When you're not at the gym, your mother will will stress the importance of wearing skirts and makeup, going so far as to buy these items for you to assure that you have enough in supply to properly assert your beauty. This is a concern of hers that is heightened by your perennial disarray in your male skewed group of friends and your complete lack of dating interest in the lot of them. While she cannot control your actions, she peppers your suggestions with how to make yourself more appealing. She encourages you to develop a passing interest in a real, mainstream American sport, like football, despite your expressed distaste for it. Everyone likes football, she says. I don't. You just need to try harder. Do you want me to explain it to you? Nope. Everybody needs to know a little bit, at least so they can talk about football. Not everyone likes football. They do. You don't. I'll stop there. Thank you so much for reading that <laughs> excerpt. That's one of our favorite parts of, of your book. Uh, you have written such a wonderful thing here. Um, but upon our, our research of you, uh, we found that um, you have a collection of essays uh, called Be Your Own Charlton that you submitted to be your thesis at UCF. And this collection was the house for your chapbook, Rolling. How did you decide that Rolling would be your introduction to readers? And how can we get a hand, uh, a copy of that thesis for ourselves? Uh, the thesis. Oh, the thesis now is like in a deconstructed pile downstairs on my kitchen table. While I'm trying to turn it into something more like a book. Um, so you can get your hands on it when it becomes something else and maybe has a whole different title and different stuff in it. <laughs> um, so. Oh, it's funny, like, like, how did I decide Rolling should be the one that becomes the chat book? That's not really how it happened. Um, and in a sort of hilarious way, I never really intended to publish this essay. Um, it was just like something I wrote because I was kind of playing around. And uh, when the Hurston Wright Award came up, um, it is funded or uh, by ESPN. And so I was like, well, let me send them the sports essay because it's ESPN. And uh, when I won that award, I had like this big like gulp moment where I was like, oh, wait, I didn't mean to want people to pay attention to this essay specifically. I just was like interested in the award, which had to do with going to a, um, uh, there was like, a, uh, I don't know, it was 2020. So a lot of this stuff didn't happen, but there was an award ceremony where you get to like kind of hang out with like cool writer people and a workshop that you got a scholarship to. So I was trying to get into the workshop and I did, yay. Uh, but then all of a sudden there was all this focus on this essay that I never thought of as like one of my like things I felt like throwing out into the world, but it was out there. Um, so uh, Ryan Rivas from Borough Press approached me about it after I had won the award and asked if he could have it. And so I was like, here. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, it became this chat book, but yeah. And I, I've had like such a mixed feelings about it because I didn't ever think it would get published and now it is published and people are like, wow, this must be the thing you really wanted to say. And I'm like, it's a thing I wanted to say. Um, and like, I don't know, it's like pulling at all of my different worlds because it's like writer world and then jujitsu people world and then my mom and my family all kind of like converging at once. And I never really thought about the way that this essay would do that. Um, it didn't occur to me until like after it was like out and people started asking me about it and like 
people who like don't do book stuff in my life started asking me about my writing and so like there's a kind of a mixing of my worlds that I didn't intend to create but I guess it's here now but I think that's what made it really good my husband doesn't read for shit <laughs> but he does martial arts so when he saw this book he was like oh what is this about? And and I was like, oh yeah, do you know American Top Team? Oh yeah, I know about that. What are you doing? What are you reading about? It's the first time in like fucking three years that this man has actually asked about what I'm doing. So thank you. But besides that, you know, it's, You're well. <laughs> it's you know, about connecting people together. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was so good. Like you did it so, like so effortless. Like, I don't know if you knew I did at that time, but it comes across as a page like, oh, you know, I, it might have been like one of your, you know, things that were on your head. Like you said, it's not everything that's on your head, but it, it was so effortlessly done. Yeah. And I think that like, it came about at a time when, I mean, you, you kind of see this in the first part of the chapbook where like, the I kind of talk about this like weird life transition of like, like I was changing like careers and I was changing cities and I was kind of thrust back into like really close proximity with my parents like as an adult for like the first time since college and I think that for me and like people who do jujitsu probably will like understand this is that like there's something about like once you're like really deep into this practice you start to like see everything through this lens of like oh it's just like this like it's just the same like the motions are the same the struggle is the same the sometimes you want to go to the gym you feel awesome and sometimes you hate it and you feel like you're terrible and you keep showing up and like I was thinking a lot about like my relationship with my mom which is like really like it's not harrowing by any stretch of the imagination but there is like this kind of like fortitude that's required and there are things that are just you know you have to concede certain things or you have to uh you know, this idea of like this, the motion of like winning and losing at the same time and like, you know, getting something you want, but having to let go of that to like transition to something else. Um, and so like, I think the combination of like where I was just mentally, but also that I was starting to practice the sport that has that kind of rhythm to it um, is part of why this essay like came to be. It was like me kind of working through what that really meant. You mentioned earlier um, about how the book came about and uh, you stated that you were the recipient of the Hurston Wright Foundation crossover award that was uh, sponsored by ESPN. Um, and you were chosen by Colson Whitehead uh, for this auspicious honor. What was that like to win this award knowing that Colson Whitehead was the person that chose you out of however many submissions is like this one, this this is the one. Uh, weird. Um, still kind of weird. Like so many <laughs> other like brought up. Like his name is on the book. I was like, oh right, yeah, that's in there. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mentioned that like it was 2020 when I got the award, and so it was like a weird time in the world. And I was um, at the time I was teaching Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad in my 10th grade English class, which I was doing like entirely online. So I was in this mode where like. I was seeing Colson Whitehead's name or, you know, somewhere or the name Underground Railroad or whatever, like in subject line of email after email. And it was like, everything was on the computer. And I remember like kind of like skimming through this email and then having a moment was like, wait, this is not like work email. I'm in my real email. This is like about a thing I sent out like months ago to the point where I've almost forgotten. Um, so that was like a strange, like cool coincidence. Um, to get that but I don't know obviously it's a huge honor because it's a badass writer and he read my stuff just the fact that he read my stuff like if it crossed his desk would be cool um so it's like a double cool that he like read it commented on it and now it's a book so. yes that's hella cool that that's truly uh, truly amazing maybe you manifested it because you were teaching it so you like called upon his spirit Pick <laughs> <Hey>, me <laughs> woke him out of sleep <laughs> like, yeah I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time yeah I must have been <laughs> so we are definitely fans of short reads that are full of surprises uh and and this is definitely what you gave to us when we read your book 
And this is this the first book that we encountered that feeling was Disha Filial's The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. And you have taken us back to that moment with your work. And I was just curious, I know you 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 spoke about it being something that uh Ryan Rivas from Borough Press came to you and said, Hey, let's see if we can put this together. Um so what was it that motivated you to say, yes? Let's go ahead and do that rather than you saying, wait, I kind of want to make it bigger. Why why go small uh, instead of going big? Um, do you mean by like, by going big, you mean like not putting it in a full collection? Right. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that I won't do that one day. I think that it could fit in a collection. Um, you know, since it's a chapbook, it's like this little like morsel um it's somewhere in between uh which is kind of cool um it also made me look at this piece really differently than I had it's always been like not I shouldn't say always been it's been like kind of an older piece or at this point it feels pretty old like I mean it's maybe five years of like existing with like me tampering with it only here and there and so I think that like it being like small and having it be illustrated and kind of like, I guess, arranged in a way that's kind of playful um, was appealing to me. Um, and I really love Borough Press just generally just, you know, cool local press here in Orlando. And like, I love their, um, like their aesthetic. So if you like, if you subscribe to Borough, you know that they're just super artful and like, so just the idea of having my work appear in that kind of like carefully made book kind of way um, was big. Um, but I'm not sure that it doesn't, that this piece won't one day show up somewhere else. Mm. Um, possibly, I, I have, um, you mentioned my thesis, like a lot of the stuff in my thesis is about uh, kind of me exploring different ideas of like violence and like violence versus play and like where's that line um so one version of me kind of messing with that has been me trying to think about like what does that look like as a collection and like I guess exploring for me what's like something that is both really off-putting and then also very that I enter into with a lot of ease at the same time um there's some mention in the chat book about um you know, the idea that, like, if you're going to do a sport where, like, people literally, like, put their hand around your neck or, like, you know, bend your elbow in a direction that's, like, not the way it goes and they're going to let go, like, they promise. Uh, but the idea that you walk into this room with these people who you, some of them you know, some of them you know really peripherally, some of them you will see once and maybe twice and never again, and you all, when you, like, walk on the mat, like, come to this collective understanding that I'm going to let you do this is, like, sort of really absurd <laughs> on some level. And, um... And I also think a lot about the fact that like, I'm a very careful person. Like I'm very like cautious and like, I don't like to get into like, I don't like to, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like jumping out of planes. I'm not really like a, like a thrill seeking type personality. And so the fact that like these two things exist inside of me, I think are really strange. Um, and the fact that I do feel like not only safe, but like super happy in the context of this sport that, you know, is essentially built on the idea of, you know, either potentially causing harm or defending yourself from harm or whatever you want to think of it as. Um, so like, I don't know, I like this essay on that level because it lets me kind of get a peep into if I were to explore this concept on like a bigger level, like what would that look like? And it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely helped me look at some of my other essays and figure out like how they plug together or don't um, to kind of serve that, to the exploration of that idea. Mm -hmm. How did jujitsu found you? <laughs> How did it find me? So like very literally, it found me because I was I was in Washington, D.C. and I used to go to this yoga studio that was a two-story yoga studio. And on the top floor, there was people, people were doing like various martial arts things. There was some capoeira going on up there and uh, nogi grappling and, and different stuff. And it literally was like me walking up a flight of stairs to be like, what goes on up here? Um, and yeah, so it's kind of like changed and expanded over the years, but like it started from that, um, just sort of having like proximity to something else that I was already doing. Um, and like, I don't know, it grew very like slowly for me out of uh, 
more just like the idea of tinkering with something, like trying to figure something out. Um, so I think that sometimes like there's a misconception that, you know, especially with martial arts sports are like about aggression or like getting out some kind of like rage that's within. And actually like, I think of it much more like, it's like this little, like, what if I take this apart kind of like itty bitty movements and like tiny, like understanding of like the mechanics of the body. So like, you know, the connection between the yoga class downstairs and what was going on upstairs actually like, was pretty clear. Um, and, you know, the idea that so much of jujitsu is not about attacking, it's about like adjusting mm. or uh, moving or moving out of someone, moving into a certain spot or, um, you know, finding your way through without always having to like pummel your way through. Like you don't have to like, uh, I don't know, you don't have to be like a train, like just like taking everybody out in order to actually be pretty effective. Um, and that's an interesting idea in like a larger way to me, like the idea that like, how do we make change without, you know, blowing up the world? Like, how can you like, you know, maybe move a few things and then find a way in and then change the inside from the outside. Yeah, my husband also said that to me, jujitsu is not about like, like, going forward and just like, ah, because people see it as like that, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's like this very calculated move of like little bits yeah. and how, how you can like adjust to it or how you make the other person adjust to you. So it's just very interesting. It's very interesting. You um have this wonderful juxtaposition between the act of the fighting of in jujitsu and then the back and forth mental matches with the daughter and the mother. Um, talk to us about deciding upon braiding these two parts together in that in that way. I don't know. I think sometimes like the writing of it almost like happens by accident. Like as I was exploring the idea, like, oh, you know, you start to see the parallels between these two things. And you're like, oh, the, you know, the function is similar. I think that, um, I think that for me, kind of what we we're just talking about, like jujitsu is like not about like imposing force or like making someone like do what you want them to do. Um, a lot of times it's about you getting your way by, <laughs> uh maybe going a different path or going a certain path having that path blocked off and then changing your tactic and ending up in the same place mm. um and that in a nutshell is kind of like how I navigate my mom um who is a lovely person but super not like me um the way that she goes about life is very not like me um and I know she knows that but I don't think she knows how like you know the I think there's this push pull that like most people who've like had, you know, a, uh, you know, who've been lucky enough to have their parent with them, like throughout their like growing years, like there's this push pull of, I really want you to like me. I want you to like be into what I'm into. And I want you to care about what I care about. Can you do that please? But at the same time, the other half of you that's like still a teenager is going, I don't care what you think, get out of my way. I'm going to do this don't try and stop me but also still like me and love me and like and so like you're always kind of moving but I I feel like I'm oscillating between those two versions of myself so it's like I don't like the same stuff you like and I refuse to change my mind so I'm going to do this other stuff but I would also like you to approve of it the same way <laughs> as all this other stuff that like you kind of want from me so like I think there's just this I like I said, like when you when you think about the movement in the sport, and I talk about this a little bit in the chat book about, you know, the idea of not trying to assert force all the time um, is really like, I think also kind of an act of love, like to not insist that everybody meet you where you are is like, you know, there's a certain amount of maturity to it. And I think that on some level, the book is also about me maturing into like some weird pseudo past adulthood phase like it's not it's not a teenager book it's not a young adult book it's a I'm an established adult book who's been not having to like be an established adult in your presence mm. very much you know so when you live away from your parents versus you know you know two you know holidays a year is very different than like in this case like I was kind of like in their house now and that was really jarring for me and I don't think I appreciated how jarring it was until I started writing about it mm -hmm. like 
you know, all the little things that didn't seem like they mattered that much. They're just like the logistics of living in a house with other people, like had all this weight to them or all this story that I had brought with me about, you know, I don't want to be here. I shouldn't have to be here or I'm here because I did X, Y, or Z three or 10 years ago. Like, um, so yeah. And like, I think that in a lot of ways also, Jiu-Jitsu is about dealing with your circumstances, not necessarily what your dream of how something was going to happen is, but how it is when you get there. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's what the chapbook is also playing with. When did you write, when did you start writing this? Were you writing it in the moment while you were at home or was this something that I'm going to, you like, you put in your mind, you filed it away and you say, okay, I'm going to come back to this when I'm at another point when I'm ready to sit down and really get it out. Interestingly, I think I wrote this kind of while I was home, but maybe in smaller pieces, Um, but it's pretty like contemporary to like the stuff that's in it. This is not like a backward looking essay at all. Um, And and, uh, part part of what I think is interesting about that is that looking at it now, like I think of this as in terms of like my progression, it's like a, like a jujitsu practitioner I'm like this is a white belt book this is about like what jujitsu meant to me when I was a beginner at jujitsu plus my mom it's those two things um and one thing that was really challenging for me during like the editing process is that like I don't feel like I'm this person anymore like I'm not this person in terms of like a lot has happened since I've since you know, the moment, but also like as a jujitsu practitioner, I'm not this person anymore. Like my understanding of things has adjusted a little bit. You know, I've had different teammates, different instructors, different stuff has happened. Um, and so like, I look back at it and I go, oh gosh, is that what I was thinking? But it's interestingly useful. I think it's almost like a little time capsule of like where I was in that moment. And I just, as a writer, I often surprise myself with, you know, people talk about the idea that like, you can't really make art well until you've like put some space and then you look back but I find that I frequently write like a big heavy amount on something while it's happening and then like take a break and then I go back and organize it and like that big dump is often like pretty charged and like maybe captures something that's useful like it's not to say that you don't edit it like it's not just like you can like vomit your journal out and have it be a great essay but I'm often surprised by how very adjacent to the experience some of my uh, writing is. Hmm. Can you describe the voice that you chose for this piece of work? Like, how did you find it? And what uh, what did you think it, why did you think it was the most effective um, when presenting this, when presenting your piece? This was very interesting. Like we very, um, we haven't read a lot of books in in this voice which we thoroughly enjoyed this voice people that's one of the most common uh comments i've gotten about this chat book which is i guess on some of them like well it's me <laughs> so it's my it's like but it's like me elevated like out of myself um i think the one thing that's true in this and in some of my other work is that like the idea of the form i think helps me kind of like click into a particular way of talking for the duration of that particular piece and so like once I turned this into an instruction manual like before it was something else like I forget what it was but once it became the instruction manual it became a lot clearer what it is I needed to address um sort of like what the segments needed to be um and in making it an instruction manual it gave me permission to talk like an authority about two things I didn't understand. One of those things being jujitsu, which I was barely learning at the time. And the other thing being my mom. So two things I don't understand with the voice that I do. And then something I understand really intimately, which is like how I feel. Mm. And so having it be like in between those two things makes it so that you can kind of, I don't know, you can speculate, you can imply, you can do all kinds of things about stuff you don't know and you don't understand. Um, and then you also get to, you know, cross the bridge over to the stuff that you understand pretty intimately. And it does put, I think, maybe some protective barrier between that and like having to write that or having to share that, like the things that 
some of the things that are like emotionally going on are actually like kind of like I don't know like a little bit heavier a little bit like there, there's stuff you like take to therapy not stuff I necessarily would consider like essay worthy and like I often like when I teach writing like I talk about the idea of like what's essay worthy like there are stories that happen to you and then there's stories that like connect to something bigger and like without I think the voice I don't know if it connects as well like it's not enough for it to just be mother daughter or mother daughter jujitsu or jujitsu daughter like it can't just be like those elements it has to have something else to pull it together and I think the voice does that yeah, I think, you know, you get in that question often because I think it's just the way that it is written and how you, you know, so eloquently explain. And it it does something to the mind because I remember when I, I've read it several times. And when I first read it, it wasn't towards till the end that I realized I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not fiction. This is nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read it again. And it is still just as surprising as it was the very first time where you feel as if you're there are different things happening right so you know that it's nonfiction, so we know that it is your story but it also feels as if you've allowed us to be in that story and for us to be that daughter and the voices to me and when i read it you have the very beginning that explains like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to talk about in jujitsu. And that's somebody else's voice. Like, that's not you. That's somebody <laughs> else talking. And then we come into, and this is how it applies to my life. And that is when I hear, okay, this is her in this moment. And this, like the narrator of a, of a television show we were talking about that today it's like you know you have somebody that's coming in and saying this is what's happening into your life into this person's life and we're going to allow you to to look through it and I think what you've done you know with with this this second person point of view is just like am amazing like it just feels something totally fresh I've not ever read anything like this before I think that I like playing with form because it makes me feel like less indulgent. Like there's something about when you write nonfiction all the time, like writing down, like, here I go. I did this and I did that. Burr, burr, burr. Like you start to feel like, yeah, who am I? Like, why does anybody care what happened to me? <laughs> and like, and I think on some level, it's like an important question to ask yourself if you're going to write nonfiction, because like anybody can sit down and like crank out what happened to them today. And it's not always interesting. Um, and I think that like you as a nonfiction writer, you owe a service to the world, like to the, to something beyond you. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to it, uh, in whatever way, that's fine. But I think that like where nonfiction becomes, I guess, like uninteresting or the stuff that goes into the scrap pile is the stuff that's like just about you and what happened to you. And you haven't thought about what it means beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, you know, an individual's experience is so tiny, like, like, I feel like my world is, like, super tiny and, like, how many people are, like, exactly what I am, this, like, combo of this specific checkboxes, and it's, like, not that many, um, and so the question is, like, how does it reach out to the rest? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, because this, um, as I listen to you just say that and think about other books that we've read that was nonfiction, that's sharing, you know, this is what has happened in my life and it's still having that feeling as if you can relate to it. You know, I think about like KSA Layman, I think about Brian Broom, I think about Kamon Felix, who all have taken uh, their ways of using braided narrative to tell a story inside of a story to reveal something much more deeper so when you when you uh wrote uh physique and femininity you have uh presented expectations that women always have struggled you know beauty sanders always felt like they're against you know women of color um of all of that instances in your life you know how did you pick these stories um that you provided in the piece and how essential was like your your mother be like the kind of like the one moving piece moving with you as you kind of like complete this little you know the chapbook that you're trying to finish yeah um I think that like physicality and femininity in particular are also like 
those sections of the chapbook are, uh, like I said, like this is a white belt chapbook. This is me just getting into this sport and being like, this is awesome. Let's learn how to do this. And walking into the gym and realizing that it's like most women aren't there at all. Um, and the ones who are probably will be gone within a month, maybe a year. Um, that, you know, it still remains true, but there've been like some changes like within the sport, but it's like, I don't know, like, I, I kind of was fascinated with this idea of, like, people always talk about, like, male and female spaces, like, places where you're allowed to be certain ways, and, like, I, I've gone back and forth about whether or not, like, you feel like you're, like, an interloper, or you're an insider, or you're, like, there are these moments where, like, people forget you're there, it's almost like you've disappeared, um, but also that, like, I personally have always felt really weird about, like, all female spaces, you know, there's, like, you know, the gym that's like only women or the class that's like only women. I'm like, I don't know that I particularly enjoy that either. Um, I've always felt very weird about it. Like, oh, okay, here I am. Like, I'm supposed to feel different now because of this circumstance being like, we're all women and now I feel different. I'm like, I've been like, I don't feel it. Like, what is it? What's the hype? Um, <laughs> and so like, I, I think that when I realized that I was probably pretty young and I, I've always just been like, I'm going to go wherever I want to go based on whether or not whatever's going on there is interesting. And so this was a case where I was like, I was really interested in the sport. I was like, it's, it's like strange and complicated. And it's going to take some time. And that just meant like being willing to walk into spaces and just be like, hi, I'm here now. Like, you know, are you willing to deal with me? Because I'm, I'm going to keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I think also the idea of, you know, one of the questions that people ask all the time about jujitsu, uh, if you're a female jujitsu practitioner, is that like, did you come here to learn self-defense? It's like a, like a baseline assumption that like, that's the reason that you're here. And like, there's probably maybe two reasons that I do jujitsu, one of which has to do with like, I think of it as like a big puzzle or like a language that I want to learn. Um, I also think about it like as an educator that I I teach English, I write, I do these things all the time. I like doing these things and I'm pretty good at these things, which means that like you're sort of disconnected from what it means to be like bad at something and still keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And so what you do as a teacher is you ask people to continue to be bad at something and come back. And so often you're in your groove and you're not having a hard time with this while telling someone just persevere, it's gonna be fine, come back tomorrow. And so like, one thing I realized when I started training was that like, if you're not feeling that feeling, you forget how frustrating it is um, and how it can really just almost like physically weigh on you. And so like, like that's why I do jujitsu. I don't really think about it in terms of like, like self-defense or like, what am I going to do on the street and stuff like that. And like, people talk about that and it comes up, but like, I think that's one of the things, again, it's a distinctly like, female assumption which is that like hey when all these people are gonna assault you didn't you come here to learn how to not be assaulted isn't it fun to be female like you can't even like you know have a hobby without it being somehow linked to your body being in danger cool um so yeah like I think that there's and maybe there's another essay in there somewhere I don't know um so yeah like I think that for me, like, I'm just, like, a person who's, like, sort of bored with, like, a lot of the conversation about, like, what it means to be, like, you know, like, attractive or feminine or, like, whether it's whatever it is. Like, I'm just, like, snooze. I don't care. Like, I don't want to get into this. And, like, for much of my life, I've tried to just, like, barrel through. Like, I'm going to pick what I like and go toward that thing. Um without regard for like whether that means it's going to cancel out some other kind of option for me mm. um so I think that that's kind of what those sections are about and then like kind of like kind of a climactic ish area of the chat book is like you know like I train at a gym that's like mostly guys and then I go to competition and it's a female bracket and it's the first time that like ever I've gone to uh with people who a know what they're doing are super competitive and they're women and like you know like to be destroyed by like these women who are all like we're all like some version of the same person we're sprinkled all across the place hanging out with like people who weigh a lot more than us learning how to do this thing that's like requires a significant amount of strength and then you put us against each other and um 
you know, like it also makes you think about the way that like women are pitted against each other a lot in just life in the world. Um, and I don't know, like I, so I, I think that I'm always like oscillating between those different things when I'm, when I'm writing and like this piece also, I think that maybe for me, because it's a mother daughter thing, like thinking about like, so what's the dream when you have a daughter, what's a daughter supposed to be like, what's the like baby book dream of the daughter. And then I guess like, how do I plug into the reality of that? Mm. Um, and if you're being like super generic about it, like not that great, like for me. <laughs> so I, I think that even just like my interest in this particular sport almost like subverts that. And then on top of that, like other elements of my personality also do. And so I think especially like the conflict between me and my mother, like I think my mom is a very like, she's able to like buy into, participate in and enjoy that version of being feminine. And I never have been able to do that. And so uh, this was just like, you know, the, I don't know, like <laughs> the ultimate fruition of all these things that kind of you know, like, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that. And then now it's like, and now I'm doing this wrestling thing. And it's so intense. And like, people are throwing, you know, like, so yeah. <laughs> has she read your book? She has. And what are her thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess I should be more specific. She has read the book. We have not talked about the book. She just read it. And knows its existence is a thing. <laughs> um. I don't know, like, I thought about, like, how I was going to say this to her, like, a lot, and then, like, never really got around to it, but I was just like, it's not really a book about you, it's about me. Like, you're, like, part of it, you're, like, a satellite to the exploration of me, and I'm sorry that, that that's how it comes out, but, like, um, I don't know, I think the, I think there's also, at least from crafting it, I know that there's at least an attempt to acknowledge that I don't, disbelieve that she loves me just because I'm so different than she is and I think that that's part of the through line of the chapbook and the the realization um and I think the the additional realization of it's not necessarily um it's not the job of someone who loves you to understand every little intricacy of who you are necessarily um even if you think that that's super important or even if you think it's like you know I have 10 qualities and number one is the most important one you might not understand number one um but to kind of come to peace with that so you know like whether or not that's what she took from it I don't know but I know what the intention behind it was so maybe one day <laughs> another I think one of the one of the sections that, that you know I liked was the section of tapping out um and like in the beginning I really don't know like I'm like I was very drawn to that chapter um and it's like you know to me it was very relatable because it's like why am I doing this what was all of that for well you know like why are why am I fighting why am I like resisting everything in my life you know and then like the feeling of being desolate and almost lonely in this experience like I'm the only one that really knew what happened or went down there when I fought all, all of this other people um and you know it's like that recognition of limitation almost and you know the evaluation of life choices like moving forward from that point um can you speak more on that on that chapter and why you know why was it why was it like necessary to be like okay this is what happens after this big high after coming into this like you know arena of like fighting i think it's interesting because this also goes back to this idea of like why do you train um some people train to compete i didn't really know like straight out the bat whether that was like what i was into or not until i went to competition and one thing i learned from competition is that like it somehow for me, it kind of killed some of the joy of it a little bit to the point where like, I felt like I didn't want to do it. Um, and so this also, you know, kind of becomes one of these moments where it's like, I'm a person who likes to be like, I'm going to be here and I'm here 110%. But then to say to my jujitsu self, I'm going to be here, but I'm also not going to compete. And I'm not going to like spend my weekends doing this. Uh, not because I don't want to be serious, but because I don't want to do this or have this feeling. Um, and like the idea of tapping out, like, uh, you know, it's, 
uh, to exit a situation voluntarily um, because you don't like it or because the pressure is too much um, or because that's the edge and you've decided that that's the edge. So that's how far I go. Um, and so, yeah, that section also, I think is, I guess like an exploration of like, kind of what what is the difference between being lonely and being alone? Um, because, you know, at that point in the chapter book, like the, the narrators moved out of the house with the parents. So there's no parents anymore. And now it's just like, okay, this is what I wanted. This is the independence that I've been whining about trying to get. I got it, I'm in it. Um, and then this sort of harrowing thing happens in private and then the car ride is in private and then the return home is in private. And it's like, here it is, you got it. Um, so, I think that like because the the way it's set up it spans kind of the early to middle part of this training experience um that's like a place to kind of acknowledge that like there is like a certain loneliness to it as well even though it is something that you do with companions all around you um which is not different than life and life decisions and stuff that happens and you know living in a house with a bunch of people versus one doesn't really change how you feel in terms of like feeling lonely or not lonely um so yeah and also just about like the shock of like building up to like a big thing um and then that thing releases and then you're like so what is this now um and it's like this mini uh, version of like where the book begins which is you know I, I moved to the city I built this whole plan for this career and this career is not going to happen like day one of the of the chat book is like this is not going to happen and so then there's like this mini revisiting of that experience in the sort of climax of the piece um when you are talking about this book with other people out in the world and uh, and i know that you'll you have some things coming up later on uh next month where you will really be talking to a, a nice crowd hopefully of people to talk about your before your book launch <laughs> um but from those who have read it is there anything that is constant that you found while discussing um this book with others um, I mean, the consistent comment is about the voice um, and and I guess like the humor or the sort of the lens that kind of is laughing at situation, the world and self in various ways. Um, so that's the most common comment that I've gotten about it. Um, and then sometimes I just get like weird questions about jujitsu or like how it works. <laughs> That's when you say, well, you can come on down. Oh, so yeah. You get that recruitment free <laughs> fee. <laughs> get that percentage off of my membership. Come on. <laughs> and I think because like it, like the voice, like you said earlier, it's because, you know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I read it like the second time, like as a sitcom. I'm like, oh, I'm like watching this in my head. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like you're walking down the street and like this is, you know, and then the story goes on. And I, th you know, I think that's why, you know, people like to see themselves in the stuff that they read. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you've provided here in this, in this chapbook. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was so, it was such a pleasant thing to read. This was loaded, but also it was like fast paced. Like there was never a dull moment. So as we um, come to the close, we have a question that we like to ask everyone that comes on our show. Uh, you have two options. Uh, we like to know either your top five favorite books of all time or uh, the top five books that you, you are currently excited about that you want people to know. Okay, can I mush them together? I don't like, I don't yeah. love the all time question because I never have a good answer because my moods change. Um, top five. All right, here we go. Um, uh, Daniel Evans' uh, short story collection, Before You Suffocate Your Own Full Self. Um, that's like a maybe oozing into all time list uh, book. Um, I really love Heavy. You mentioned Kiese Lemon earlier. Um, love that book. Um, what else? I have to have three more. Oh, There There by Tommy Orange. Mm -hmm. um, 
two more books. What other books do I like really dig right now? Hmm. Oh, this is hard. I knew you're gonna ask me something that involved listing things. <laughs> um I'll just okay, let me this is I don't know if this is a favorite, but I know it's on my uh bedside table because I'm starting it tonight. This is a shout out to Hurston Wright as well. Um when they tell you to be good, Prince Shakur. Um, mm. which is that's a good book club book if you're making book clubs. Um, and then I don't know, what's my fifth? I can't think of a fifth thing. It's too hard. You can do it. I believe in you. Uh what's like an essential? Oh, well, like let's go all the way back. Uh Invisible Man. Okay. Oh, that's an old timer. I think that's a good list. You give us a little of the past, you know, you bringing us up yeah, to the present. Frankly. <laughs> now, that's a solid, solid list. And and we all know that these lists can change. This is the list that she's given us today in this moment. And you might get off this Zoom call and be like, oh, damn, I had another one. I I'm mean, sure. I didn't <laughs> say it. I'm, you walk through your hallway and I'm like, dang it. That's, that was what I was thinking about. In her sleep, she's waking up. Ah! but um melanie thank you so much for joining us we are very excited uh to be able to see you soon in person uh at stardust that's coming up uh at the end of august um and and for those who are listening uh melanie will be doing their book launch at zeppelin books that will be um august 12th what time is that starting uh-oh, what's the time? Oh, it's six. I'm glad I didn't say 7.30. Be there too late. There we go. Yeah. Six we'll o'clock, August 12th. <laughs> yes. Six o'clock. That means y'all need to get there at, at a good five to secure your seat, get you a drink, um, and get your money right because these books need to be bought. But um, Melanie, thank you so much. Thank for you. coming onto our our show this has been a process to get made and we are so grateful to have had you here to talk about uh rolling and also cannot forget cannot forget mm -hmm. if you want to catch melanie again live live <laughs> um we are doing august 27th the midnight broader story hour um with um Danny Sarta, Stephen Archer, Vidhu Agarwal, and Melanie Farmer. That starts at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. 8 p.m. So on that note, we bid you adieu. You have a good rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of your summer vacay because soon you'll be back in the, in the schoolhouse. Oh, yeah. Too soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I will see you soon. All right. Bye. 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 Good night. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Vulgar Geniuses. Our theme song that you're nodding your head along to was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Dammit. That's S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon. Deuces. Deuces.